the readings in two parts. Um, the first bit is Isaiah 61, and that's on page 749, if you want to follow it in the few Bibles. 741, <coughs> and the second bit will be from Ephesians 4. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And if you turn to Ephesians 4, page 1175. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the, this is the word of the Lord. Cheers. Thank you. Well, good morning. Is this on? It is on, good, okay. Um, so this morning, um, I'd like to take you on a brief journey back in time, not in the Doctor's TARDIS to prehistoric times, but just to around the turn of the century. The building that you're now sitting in looked a little different in those days. And Brian, if perhaps we could have the first, first slide. It's a little bit small, but I think you can see that um, it wasn't quite the light airy building that you see today. Um, there was a central aisle and lots of pews. And can we have the next slide as well, please, Brian? That is the rear of the church where you can see there was, uh, it was taken up by a large organ and then we had these rather splendid cinema doors which didn't allow anyone to see in whatsoever. And um, the heating system uh, was in fact prehistoric. There, was, uh, there were two grills in the central aisle which provided a very, very feeble trickle of hot air from a very ancient uh, boiler downstairs and um, people would congregate round the grills and way betide if you tried to move them off them. So when uh, Penny and I joined the church, um, which is approaching 30 years ago, which I find hard to believe, um, I confess that I dislike this building fairly intensely. Probably more to do with reasons in my 
background than anything else, but uh, at that time, Walcott Parish had three centres of worship, um, St. Swithin's here, St. Andrew's, which was part of the, the school, and the Snow Hill Christian Centre down on the Snow Hill Estate, what is now the Gateway Centre. And I think it's fair to say that the fellowship had become uh, fragmented and that the three congregations didn't really have that much to do with each other. Health and safety issues here at St. Swithin's, by which I mean, for example, most of the lighting was provided by spotlights that were mounted on, I think they were yellow broomsticks, weren't they, Des? The, uh, um, along each side, and they were piggybacked into a single socket at the back, which caused a certain amount of consternation. Um, meant, you know, the health and safety issues meant that we were getting to a point when right, something had to be done about the building uh, or it would have to close. I was treasurer uh, in the church at that time, and I have to say that my inclination was to close the building and to hand back the keys to the diocese. However, a faithful group of prayer warriors had been uh, meeting for a considerable period of time to seek God's will for St. Swithin's, and eventually it became clear, even to me, that his will was for the building to be refurbished. And just to prove that the Lord has a sense of humor, um, I felt called to project manage the process. <laughs> I hasten to add that uh, I was very ably supported by a project committee um, as Bex was sharing earlier on about community doing things together and you know, that process of putting the jigsaw together, I was thinking about that in the context of the decisions that had to be made for this building and it was rather like that and you know, the, that committee included people such as Des Brown, Judy Rich um, and as well as Mary Warren and others as consultants on such matters as colour and choice of chairs and I think you can safely say that their choice of colour schemes was, was very successful, a lot more successful than if it had just been me. Um, so at this point I would really like to invite uh, one of those sta staunch prayer warriors and someone who I regard as very much an elder statesperson, if that's the right word in, in our fellowship, um, that's Mary Warren, to uh, come and share something of her experience with us, if you would. Thank you, Mary. And, uh, How do you want, is that uh, about the right sort of height for you? Okay. Yes? <laughs> well, I've been coming to this church all of my life, simply because it's always been near. And then, latterly, because I valued the Bible teaching. So it's a place that's very dear to my heart. In the year... 2000, at the turn of the century, the then bishop sent out a directive to all the churches which said, look at your church building and see what it says to the outsider about Jesus. Well, our door was always shut and in need of a coat of paint. There was grass growing in the paving and the whole thing looked rather shabby. The bishop recommended that we got a prayer group together, so I put a notice in the notice sheet inviting people who might be interested to come. Eleven people turned up. Five of them decided it was too big a job 
and couldn't be contemplated. Uh, the other six agreed to meet regularly, which we did. We called ourselves the prayer vision group. And we used a prayer, uh, a collect from the, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, which I'll read to you. It says, Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace. And in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We handed out prayer cards, I've still got mine, and met regularly, and then things really began to move, thanks to Alistair and the diocesan architect, George Chedburn. Then one, when the work was completed, one memorable Sunday morning, the whole congregation met at St. Andrew's Church under the leadership of Simon Holland. He ceremoniously locked the door there, led us all along the Paragon, down Guinea Lane, and into our newly refurbished church. And here we are. And I am truly grateful that I've been part of it all and have got such good memories of the ministry here and that we've got such a beautiful, open, welcoming space. Thank you, Mary. Thank, thank you, Mary. Um, I think in that context, there's a, there's a saying that goes along the lines of, um, if God gives the vision, he gives the provision. But, uh, but there's also the joke that uh, a pastor said to his congregation one morning, the good news is we have enough mini money for our building project. The bad news is that it's still in your pockets. <laughs> and uh, so... In, in round terms, that refurbishment project cost about a million pounds back in the day, and in today's money, that's about 1.8 million pounds. Of that, roughly 800,000 pounds was provided by the congregation, which then comprised about 125 adults. And if you stop to think about that, it really is quite extraordinary. So there was a mixture of one-off giving, uh, pledges over a number of years, and legacies. And obviously the amount that each person could give varied considerably, but everyone played a part. And I particularly remember there was one lady who, who's now gone to glory. He pledged three pounds per week over a number of years. And each week there was an envelope in the, in the collection with three pound coins in it. And that was literally the, the widow's might. And each time I opened the envelope, it reminded me that every penny was precious and needed to be stewarded wisely. So the lead-in time for the project was actually about five years, and that, in a sense, was the, the jigsaw puzzle 
building, trying to discern you know, what, we, what we could do, and we looked at all sorts of different options. If we have this amount of money, we can do that. But um, overall, it was quality and flexibility were the two things that um, we were particularly keen on. Brian, could I have um, the, the next photo, if I may? So this just gives you an idea. Um, this was the birdcage scaffold that filled the whole church because there were repairs to the ceiling, the lighting put in. Um, it was a mammoth, mammoth undertaking. And perhaps the next one as well, if I may. This is the main area of the, 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 the crypt um, before the refurbishment, just before it. And I can tell you it was a pretty dark and horrible place to be. The, um, the man from English Heritage told me that I was denying my children by you know, not allowing them to see the crypt as it was. And I told him we weren't denying them anything because they refused to go into it because it was so horrible. And uh, there were stone ledgers. These are effect effectively tombstones, which are um, absolutely massive. Um, you, you might not want to know this, but at this end of the church, when you're sitting having your coffee, you're actually there are about six deep burials underneath you. They're from a long time ago. Um, if I could have the next slide, please, Brian. So this is just to show you, give you an idea. This is a raised access computer floor that is being laid on top of those, um, on top of those monuments. And you can see these adjustable feet, where, which they sit on. They're meter square plates which sit on those things. And we had to do, I don't know how many level surveys, laser level surveys to get it, get it right. Um, which is why you're now having um, that nice, well, the finish of the carpet is perhaps looking a bit shabby, but the, it's a nice level floor, although we have had to restrain uh, Judy Rich sometimes in terms of wanting to do exuberant dancing downstairs in case something collapses. Um, as Mary referred to, um, once the refurbishment was completed, uh, all three congregations move together. In fact, I seem to recall, Mary, that, um, that Simon was trying to get a camel to, because uh, it was actually epiphany when we all came together. Anyway, thankfully, the insurers refused to cover that, because I don't know what would have happened if we did that. Um, so the process of reunification began, and you know, what was the reserved space, if you like, at St. Andrews was given to the school which is desperately in need of more space, and you know, our relationship with the school continues to flourish. And eventually, the Gateway Centre, which was then known as the Christian, well, previously known as the Snow Hill Christian Centre, was transferred to the Genesis Trust, subject to a partnership arrangement that gives us the right to use the building at, um, in the evenings and at weekends. So you might ask, well, what's the purpose behind taking you on this short trip down memory lane? Well, the main thing is that we believe then and we believe now that it was God's will and it is God's will that this building should be brought into a fit state for use as a tool in ministry. You know, and a tool in ministry is what it is. And what has been achieved thus far is a testament to God's faithfulness and the sacrificial giving of, of members of this church, many of whom have now gone to glory, and we're the beneficiaries of, of their sacrificial giving. For a number of years since we completed the refurbishment, I, I've wondered when we would really begin to see the fruit of that investment. Uh, and I believe that the answer, is, the answer to that is what's happening now. Just have to look around and see the number of young people and children that we're blessed with. 
and also particularly through the Alpha course that we ran last autumn, uh, we're seeing people coming to new life in Christ, which is being nurtured by the establishment of a discipleship group. I'm especially delighted by the strengthening links with the Genesis Trust. I happen to be a trustee of Genesis as well. Seeing the work that is being done at the Gateway Center to help vulnerable and broken people to get their lives back on track, and the increasing number of people who are finding their way from Genesis to St. Swithin's and receiving a warm welcome and encountering the love of God for themselves. And in the words of Isaiah from our reading this morning, the Lord is binding up the brokenhearted and proclaiming freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. We're all called to be disciples and to make disciples, and, and the passage from Ephesians that we also had read tells us that we all have a part to play. However young or old, rich or poor, we're all called to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That preparation of God's people requires resources. We're focusing particularly today on financial resources and the letter that accompanied this uh, week's Connect News Sheet. Um, I'm not sure, are there any physical copies available? So there are physical copies available at the back. If, if oh, David Holden White is waving them, thank you, David. Um, if you haven't had a copy or you'd like a physical, there's one physical copy. I'm sure we could rev the photocopier up to provide some. You know, please let us know at the end. Um, the letter that accompanied, you know, sets out the need and it sets out the challenge. So I'm, I'm not proposing to go over that again. You know, just to say suffice it that um, I can testify in my own life that you cannot outgive God and that he honors those who honor him. There is also a kingdom principle of multiplication that everything we offer to him, he will multiply. And just think about the feeding of the 5,000 as an illustration of that. But it's not just the giving aspect that we need to think about. As Bex mentioned earlier, the, the PCC, the church leadership, you know, we really believe that God is calling us to go deeper with him at this time in every aspect of our lives so that we can attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And at this point, um, I'd like to invite Dan Darwin uh, to come and share some thoughts on that, if I may. Thanks, Dan. So, Morning, everyone. So Alistair mentioned a moment ago that he wondered when, when we would begin to see the fruit of the investment that had been made in this building those years ago. And personally, I feel that we're there now, that we're, we're, we really are, as a fellowship, starting to bear fruit. And it may be that fruitfulness for St. Swithins is just one word of welcome for one visitor passing through on one Sunday that changes one life. God's fruit is not a normal fruit, and it shouldn't be treated as such. Likewise, the investment that God's kingdom requires is not like a normal investment. On Sundays like this, I think it is all too easy to just sound like we want your money. But just to be clear, we don't just want all your money. We want to, you to give every part of yourself 
We want far more. There's an old saying, and maybe today's a day of old sayings, there's an old saying that the last part of a person to be saved is their wallet. However, in Bath, busy, busy 21st century Bath, I am increasingly convinced that actually the last part of a person to be saved is their calendar. There was a book doing the rounds a few years ago. It was called Lean In. It was encouraging women in business to stay engaged despite um, sexism in the workplace and discouragement from being looked over for promotions. And, and I'm convinced that the investment that St. Swithin's needs from you is just that, to lean in. To lean into a life group, to lean into prayer, to lean into reading your Bible. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but to lean into coming here on Sunday mornings and worshiping the living God. If all you invest in this vision is your wallet, then I worry that you and God will both wind up disappointed. God does not want your money. Sorry, he, God does want your money. But only if he has all of you, every part of you. So often we can hear this message that we need to give more, more time, more energy, more money, more expectations, and it can feel very stressful and it can feel very guilty. However, for lots of us here today, I'm convinced that God is calling you not to more, but to different to choosing to do things differently, to prioritize different things, not just to do more. Um, Susie, my wife, always says to me that when we say yes to something, we have to consider what we're saying no to. We've only got finite resources, finite time, finite money. So if we're saying yes to something, what are we saying no to? What are we prioritizing and in that same instance deprioritizing? For some of, it's going to look different for everyone, but for some of us, saying yes to God may not actually mean giving more money. Instead, it might mean saying yes to being part of that life group or by saying no to a promotion at work that means we might work more hours. Equally, it might mean saying yes to that promotion at work so that you can give. It's going to look different for absolutely everyone. For others, it might be saying no to Sunday morning activities so you can say yes to worshipping here with God's people every single week. While for others it might be cancelling your TV subscription, not booking a holiday this year, or selling your house and downsizing so you can give more financially. Everyone's going to have a different call on their life from God in this season. And can I just really underscore that none of this, none of this should come from guilt. If it does, I'm not sure God wants it. God wants it to come from an overflow of joy. Like the treasure in the field where we joyfully sell everything we have to purchase it and to own it. It is good for us. If you're too busy to give up an evening for life group, 
then you're probably the exact kind of person who needs to go to that life group. If you have other commitments on a Sunday morning, then you may well be the exact person who God is calling to commit everything to worshiping him. And if you're worried about the stability of your finances, then I really feel a conviction that you're the exact person who God wants to give as a sign of trusting in him first. Over the time of our relationship and marriage, Susie and I have struggled a lot with living in kind of flashy, wealthy bath. Despite the many blessings that God has given us, it's still a trial seeing people with more. And when the opportunity to work here as the youth and children's worker came up, Susie felt called to do it. We knew it would be a significant pay reduction. Even with choosing to, to work an extra day compared to her previous job, it still, still was going to come in significantly less. And we sat down and we literally counted the cost and worked out all the things we would need to do, all the things we need to cut to have any chance of making the books balance. We canceled the Sky, Sky, we canceled the Sky subscription. Away went the football. Away went the rugby. Gone went the gym. Out of the window went any holiday plans moving forwards. However, when Tim and Alistair called to offer the job, I must admit, when Susie got off the phone, that we were a little bit taken aback. I don't know how. Poor assumptions on my part. Even poorer maths. But we found that the pay was still significantly less than, than we'd assumed when we budgeted. Tears followed, if I'm honest. And then prayer. And eventually we decided that we were going to step out in faith. We were going to lean in and that we were going to take the job and we were going to deal with the gap later. That we were going to push on in faith because we thought that's what God was calling us to do. Literally the next morning, and I mean the next morning, not a week later, not a month later, literally the next morning at school, um, one of my colleagues sidled up to me and asked if I'd take on some extra hours in the boarding house next year, this year as it is. That's extra work, but it would give us a year of breathing space, potentially financially, literally the next day. Later, I asked, how much extra would I potentially make from taking on these extra hours? And it turns out it was to the nearest hundred, the amount of money that we had underestimated Susie's salary by. Like Alistair said earlier, you cannot outgive God. So still sacrifice, we're still laying stuff down, we're still kind of having to adjust financially massively, but God, honestly, it felt like he, he was with us in taking that step. So as I, I finish and hand back to Alistair, let's just consider this. What do, what do we need to lean into or prioritize or conversely deprioritize in the coming season? It's going to be very different for you than it will be for the people around you. As I've said, you may end up upping your giving, or you may end up quitting your job and dropping your giving. All I really know is God wants all of you. Wallet, calendar, and everything else. So 
please do consider how you can lean into St. Swithin's over this, over this next season. Wow, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, I was conscious when I asked Dan to speak that he was getting the graveyard slot, the hospital pass, um, whatever you want, might want to call it. Um, but I also knew absolutely that he was the right person to speak because, as you will un undoubtedly um, acknowledge, he speaks from the heart and he speaks with huge integrity. Um, so thank you, because that is costly. Just briefly returning once more to the building and, and grounds as tools in ministry, um, we believe that God is calling us to finish the work that, we has, that he has begun, or the work that has begun. So we have asked our church architect to undertake a estate strategy review to look at all possible options. A summary of these and the possible phasing for them is included in the paper attached to the letter. So again, I don't propose to go over these now. Um, suffice it to say that we are establishing a focus group to review the options and to set out a framework for going forward. And if you're interested in being part of that, then please let me know. As with the work done thus far, the timing and the means of pr provision are in God's hands, and we can just go forward step by step to test and see what his, what his will is. And again, if you've got questions, I think we're going to have a necessarily a question and answer session now, session now, but over the coming weeks and leading up to the APCM, you know, Tim, Bex, and I are very happy to have dialogue with you to discuss any aspect of this. You know, you're welcome to uh, speak to us afterwards or to email us or take up the option. Maybe, Bex, you and I should take book a slot with Tim, then we might actually get to see him. What do you think? It's like, it's <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll book a week. <laughs> no. I mean, in conclusion, we are, as Dan said, we're asking you prayerfully to seek God's will for your involvement in our fellowship in terms of financial giving, your time, the things that you might be being called to give up. You know, Jesus gave his life for each and every one of us, so he deserves the best that we can offer. And in the words of the wonderful hymn that we, that we will be singing shortly, with a whole, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks. Are we going to? Thank you. Um, it would be good just to take a couple of minutes, I think, before we close, just to. Um, respond to that really um, individually, I think, just um, picking up on what Dan um, brought to us. How do we lean in, both as a, a church family? How do we lean into each other? How do we build community um, between each of us? Um, but also, how do we lean in individually as well? Um, how do we make sure that we're supported spiritually and um, prayerfully? Um, I would really say, you know, that life groups are such a great source of that. Um, but if that's not possible for you maybe think about how you could meet with a friend to pray go for a walk and pray together you know just make sure that you're really supported in that leaning in um, so perhaps if we just take a couple of minutes um, to pray um, by ourselves um, into that and then Dan and the, the band will lead us as we close thank you